We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Out goes Jerry. In comes our guy, Kevin Byrne, longtime yes. Ravens executive who came over with Art Modell 27, 27 years ago. I'll let him tell the story. Kevin Byrne joins us. We're, we're in the company of a legend, and it's so good to see you. Well, hi, Bobby. Sarah, hello there. <laughs> Kevin, I don't know what it is. Every time I see you, I get so emotional. You are just the best. I'm so glad you could be here. Bobby knows I've said it a million times on the show. When I moved out to Baltimore, I didn't know a single soul when I got an internship in your PR department. The way you took us all, the interns under your wing, every time I see you, it just stirs, stirs up emotions. I'm so happy to see you. Well, thank you very much. It's great seeing you and Bobby, too. I mean, it's a pretty good day already for the Ravens. So <laughs> what a kickoff yeah. to the draft, you know. So uh, a fantastic day so far. And just based on history, you know, the Ravens will, will knock it out of the park sometime in the next three days, be it in the first round, third round, or a later round. You know, they, they've taken great players in every round in their history. And and uh, and they're really good at this, and they and they have the right people in charge, and so it's exciting. It's a very exciting time. So Kevin, take this, so take I, us into yeah, this. We ahead. obviously know from the fan perspective, they've been waiting on pins and needles to see if this would get done. You can multiply that by a million for the front office, Eric DaCosta, everybody else. What take us into what Eric DaCosta must be feeling, what the franchise must be feeling to get a move that's really going to be up there in the history of moves to just get this locked in? Well, it's, it's been so uh, such a delicate walk for the franchise and Lamar. You know, I think Eric and John, the two public voices, have said the right things from the very beginning. And until Lamar put out, you know, I asked them for a trade, well, you can respect that. I mean, the owner respected that. You know, you can't say they respect that, that he was trying to get somebody to step up and give him an offer that he could measure against the Ravens. Mm -hmm. And so there weren't hard feelings with that, but I think they were careful, the Ravens in particular, and I think Lamar to a great degree, is to not make enemies of each other because in the end, uh, they were likely to stay married. And uh, But Lamar had to find out. He had to find out, what am I worth? And uh, and I <laughs> I think he did. 
I think he found out how much we love him because, as I understand it, he is now the highest paid player in NFL history, which Jalen Hurts had for four days. And now now there's a new king of the mountain. So I, I think both sides in a very delicate situation, in a highly unusual situation, without an agent, with, with having his mom being his advisor. And, and, uh, and, and that's a tough, tough situation. You know, Eric says it's easy to tell an agent, well, he, he, he didn't do this, he didn't do that, and this is this and this is that. But you can't say it to the guy you're in love with. You know, you can't tell him every truth because you don't want to, to send him away. So the fact that it got done, the fact that it gets done on the day of the draft, I mean, this is Christmas square. If I can, Kev, I just want to revisit one of the things that you were suggesting there. Um, and, and it has to do with the, you know, the trade request announcement, the timing of it as Harbs was sitting down, you know, in Arizona. Um, do, do you not get the sense that there was some speculation that, that Mr. Bashadi was, was seething? That was the word that was used by some in the local media uh, at, at the, the timing of that and the situation, the position that that put John Harbaugh in. Did you not, do you not get that sense? No, I think if Steve were advising Lamar to get the maximum contract, would be saying to Lamar, look, you don't have any leverage right now, right? You don't have a team that's embraced you and said, okay, we want you, let's work out a contract, then we'll work out a trade, you know, with, with the Ravens. And he didn't have leverage. And so I don't know if you would call it last gas. But it was an effort to, to kind of deliver a message to 31 other teams. Look, I, I'm serious about this. I'll listen to other teams' offers. So I, you can't blame Lamar for being a smart business person. And I know because I, I'm, I'm fortunate to have the relationship with Steve Bishotti, and we've talked a couple of times. He was not seething. He, he got it. He understood that. Uh, but in the end, I think Steve believed uh, as he went through the process, it, it, it made me very nervous. But in the end, I think we have the best offer. And uh, so it all worked out. And, uh, and, and when, what I heard last week, and because and, and Lamar, you couldn't turn on any sports network for a month. And within eight minutes, Lamar would come up, you know, no matter which sport network you turned on. And so it was never going away. It was always out there. But I think in their heart of hearts, the Ravens always believed that he would understand Lamar would. We love him more than everybody else. And uh, and I go back, uh, and I think Sarah's heard this before, Bobby. Uh, Ozzie Newsom told me this years ago. There are two types of teams in the NFL, those with one and those without. And if you don't have one of those quarterbacks, you're out in the desert looking for them. As Ozzy used to say when we were in the desert, you know, we're all looking for that sixth rounder who's going to be Tom Brady because, you know, mom and dads aren't putting him in the top 25 anymore. I mean, you got to find somebody. And, uh, and we have our guy, and we know he's a, pr- a proven winner, and uh, I think it's spectacular. Bobby, have you heard me say that before on the show once or twice? I think so. There's a few things that I've heard from you repeat <laughs> yes, here <sir>. and there. <laughs> I learn. It takes a minute, but sometimes I, I can learn. Um, Kevin, so I, I, I've been wanting to pick your brain about this because I know um, 
you've obviously left and I've been thinking about Chad and Patrick and Marisol and everybody going through this. It was for me a massive learning experience when I was in the building and I was able to watch the Ravens and Ray Lewis contract negotiations go down. It was so great to see like this front row experience of not getting not getting too caught up in the negotiation tactics. I think you've explained it beautifully that Lamar was playing businessman. He needed it to get out there. And Steve was okay with that because that was the point of the non-exclusive tag. And so that's why I feel like I could remain calm because I could see you and everybody else during Ray Lewis remain calm. But I feel like in the age of social media and because this has lasted so much longer than Ray Lewis, that this has been another level I'm sure that you've been on the phone with Chad and Patrick and this and that, and you can help them through it. How do you, because it's what you said, the media, no matter what, will pit whoever the player is and whoever the franchise is, and they're enemies, right? They're enemies. It can never just be, no, they're just working out the details and the money, but they still love each other. They're enemies. How do you, as like a, a PR guy or or if you're the Ravens, how do you toe that line? You said that's what you try to do, but how do you do it to where you don't make Lamar the enemy because you really do want to be married to him, but you also don't want to look bad or cheap and that you're like lowballing him. So how does how does the Ravens go about walking that tightrope? It's a difficult chore. You know, you can't you can't react to everything. You know, when when I was watching it from afar uh, with the Lamar thing. I was just kind of hoping for the Ravens sake, would somebody else create a big story in sports <laughs> so that Stephen A and Shannon and Skip and, 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 and Rich Eisen can stop talking about Lamar every single day or, or, uh, or the former players going, they should give him more money. They, they, they have no idea what we've offered. They should give him more. <laughs> Lamar's doing the right thing. You know, if you're sitting there, Steve, you know, Steve having breakfast, you know, uh, down uh, down in Jupiter or, or at his home in the Baltimore area, you know, he's human, too. And so then the great thing is, by the way, as you know, Sarah, you eventually have to go to Steve to say, look, you need to do this with the media. And yeah. you going to remember all the times that they, they irritate him. But it's the nature of the beast. Bobby, yeah. if you're the, the backup, if, if you're the backup running back. And, and you were the stud for a while. Now we're playing somebody else. And the media is going to come to you and say, are you irritated because that other guy's getting your carries? You know, if, if Odell has 15 catches in the first two games, the media, this is not a criticism, this is just the way they create news. They're going to Bateman and Mark mm -hmm. Andrews saying, hey, guys, you used to get those. You're not going to get you're not going to keep getting your money unless, you know, so th there is a divisive nature to the media as they do their job. But you have to respect them for that. You know, that's because what is sport? It is yin and yang. There's there's ESPN has built a network on yin and yang. So they're they're telling their guys in the morning. Well, this is Stephen A's opinion and uh, the former quarterback from Detroit. Here's what your opinion is going to be. And Ryan Clark, you need to take the other, this other side. You guys double up. And, and Ryan Clark would say, no, no, I agree with Stephen A. No, no, not for this show you don't. You know, so that, that's, that's how it works, you know. And so it's, 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 it's entertainment. It's, it's entertainment. And so but it, you're constantly 
in the PR position and Chad and Patrick and all those guys there now have that tough task to go to Harbs and say, look, he's paid to present a contrary point of view. That's why they keep them. It helps mm-hmm. sell more. It helps. It gets more clicks. So, um, but it's hard because everybody's feelings get hurt. You know, it's they, no matter how sophisticated the player, you take Ray Lewis. I thought he was one of the most sophisticated guys I ever dealt with. You know, he goes, not now. I cannot do it. You got to give me a week off because if that guy asks me one more question about my speed, then he's going to find out how fast I am. You know, so, <laughs> so okay. So we would, you know, we'd go to the media and say, you know, uh, Ray's getting treatment today, but you'll get him after the game on Sunday. You yeah. know, so. <laughs> the good old treatment line. The old treatment line. Oh, yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, yeah. A couple draft updates just because we're trying to keep everybody up to date just in case they only have one screen in front of them, which I would imagine most of our viewers, which, by the way, we have over a thousand. So they came out for you, KB, which is pretty cool. Oh, thank you. Um, Paris Johnson, the Ohio State tackle. Well, I mean, the consensus top tackle in the draft went to Arizona at number six. Arizona has been all over the board tonight. And then let's see here. Seahawks took Devin Witherspoon, also the consensus uh, best position for his his group at the cornerback position and so it looks like the Raiders are now on the clock and they're taking Tyree Wilson so there you go you're, you're up to date on the draft and speaking of the draft what do you think is going on right now in the draft room from all your years of experience what's happening right now last year at 10 28 I think it's going to probably be later unless this thing gets going the 22nd overall pick was at 10 28 last year so let's assume that's the case just over an hour from now what's going on in Owings Mills well, I think there's calm because the list is done. You know, you've, the fans have seen the, the board, you know, which is, is horizontal. You know, so quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends. And the names are, you know, if, if, if C.J. Stroud. Yeah, there it is. Way to go. So if, if, if you, that's like a typical board. And so the names are just coming off and then they're put under their team's name on another board. And so they're just looking at it. But what the conversation is, they'll like, holy cow, look who's still there. You know, and we love, we had that guy rated third. Say, let's, let's, let's go down to 15 or 16. They're down there 15 and 16. 
and, and our third or fourth ranked player is there, well, then Eric's got to start thinking about, do we move up? Do we have the juice to move up? Do we have a player we can add to a draft pick to move up and, uh, and get a guy we're in love with? Um, they didn't have to do it last year with Hamilton, but that would be the case if they were down lower last year and Hamilton was sliding as he did last year. He slid right to us. Now you get a great player in, in our minds. And, and I've sat in the room, you know, Jonathan Ogden was the number one pick on our board and we got him number four. Todd Heap, who we got at 31, I think was the 15th player on our board. And, and in fact, the only time I saw where they, they came down, you know, the players, and then we got to the 23rd pick in the draft and the first 22 were wiped out and we were forced to take Ed Reed, you know, uh, this, this captain of the, of the national champion uh, team from Miami. I remember Phil Savage, who was our personnel guy at the time, he came over to me like he was apologizing. Look, when he walks into the building, he's not going to look like a number one pick. He's a, he, you know, he's a little pigeon toed and he's not that big. And, uh, but, but he'll play Kevin, he'll play eight to 10 years in this league and he'll be a good player. Well, I guess so. You know, and, and that's one where it, 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 we're happy that the other 22 were gone. In fact, we were trying to trade up to get a linebacker that year. That wasn't clearly as good as Ed Reed. And we would have given away capital to, to go up and get that guy. So, Kevin, besides, you know, that type of story, you are always my favorite when it comes to stories. What is your absolute favorite all-time Ravens draft time story? Well, L Lamar is pretty good, you know, and since it's Lamar's day, you know, I was sitting in the draft room is like a, a big Thanksgiving table, you yeah. know, so everybody's around, but then they have kitty tables on the side. And so I'm on one of the kitty tables and I'm sitting with Don Martindale, our defensive coordinator. And we had the 16th pick in the first round. And, uh, and I knew we were not going to take, a defensive player at 16. So I'm sitting with Wink, and I say, Wink, as we're getting close to 16, you know you have no chance of getting a player here. He goes, I know. I, <laughs> you know, it, it irritates me, too, because there are a lot of guys up there who would make us a lot better, make me a better coach. And, and uh, I said, okay, you, you, you're not going to get a player. And I'm kind of whispering. I said, what offensive player would you take at 16? And he didn't hesitate. He goes, if that quarterback from Louisville is still there at 16, I am leaping on the table and grabbing Ozzie and say, you have to take him. And he goes, I've watched tape of this kid. I don't know how I defend him. He's too fast for everybody. And I'm going, whoa, whoa. So now, you know, we're going on and we trade down and, and we take Hayden Hurst, the tight end from South Carolina. And we talked to him on the phone. We do all the hoopla. And then I turned to Ozzy and I said, I, what was that? Sarah, you'll know the 25th pick that we traded down to or somewhere in there. It was in the 20s. Yeah. yeah. I don't have the exact, the exact so, number. So I go to Ozzy. I said, do you want to go downstairs to meet with the media, talk to him, and then you can come back and have your meeting for, you know, for your preparation for tomorrow. And Ozzy goes, nah, he says, uh, I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to see what I can do, you know, and we'll stay up here. So I'm just 
you know, acting like I'm interested, but I'm, I'm, I'm tapping my foot. Come on, Ozzy. And he, all of a sudden, they're, they're talking to a couple teams. They're trying to move up into the first round. And he gets Philadelphia to call back. And, uh, and so Wink goes, what's going on? And, and I'm trying to hear. And uh, uh, Ozzy goes, okay, no, that's too much. That's too much to ask, but here's the offer. And you know it's a good offer. He's tell, telling the guy from Philadelphia. And call me back if you're interested. And the guy, then I could hear the guy said, well, when we're on the clock, we might do that. We'll, we'll talk to you. You know, we might do that. And so uh, Wink goes, who are they talking about? Who, who are we trying to go up and get? And I go, I think Lamar Jackson. He goes, no. <laughs> I'm like, Wink was just stunned. We're, gonna, we're trying to get, come on, Philadelphia, call back. So here's the defensive coordinator at the end of the first round rooting for Philadelphia to call back. They call back, and we take Lamar Jackson, who now is the franchise quarterback. Was the franchise quarterback almost immediately. I have to ask you a little bit more about what was going on upstairs because I've told the story. Downstairs, i got to give you my point of view of this. Downstairs, this is my last draft with the Ravens, by the way, my, my last one. We're downstairs. I think we're in the linebacker's room. That's the one that's kind of situated by the auditorium. Yep. And we're always waiting for word from your team uh, to come into the auditorium because we're trying to get the stories up. We're trying to get the videos up and we keep going until you guys tell us to come. And like, then we get word. I think it was from Chad and it was like, uh, they're not coming down yet. And we're all like, what? <laughs> what's, what's going on? But we're like, whatever. So we're, we're typing away, trying to get everything up. You got to tell me what this was. We're down below. And suddenly when we see it come on that the Ravens trade back to number 32, there is this stampede <laughs> of people running over the head of us. I believe it was the scouts. Yes. What was going on there upstairs? I still don't know the story from upstairs. I was just downstairs. It was uh, Ozzy said, get all the scouts and the assistant coaches in the room and uh, tell them we're making a pick at 32 and you can tell them who it is. Well, first, when, like a set of assistant coaches were in one room watching the big television, you know, and uh, you hear a roar, you know, <laughs> and especially from the offensive coaches. Then the scouts, they go, yes, yes. And they all started not just walking to the draft room. They stampeded from two directions. And it was the excitement with that bonus pick, uh, Lamar Jackson, because – there, and, and part of the draft, now I don't know where, well, I do know where Lamar was on our board, but it was a lot higher than 32. But what Ozzie and Eric had done is they believed going into the draft that you didn't have to take Lamar just based on what they heard, you know, because you scout the other teams. And so they felt, I think, going into it, that's this is what I believe, that they could trade up to get an early second round pick and take Lamar. And uh, then they got worried about it. And Ozzy gets to 32. So a guy that we were targeting at possibly we'd have to move up in the second round to go get him. We now jump to the first round and, and take Lamar Jackson. And so that that's part of the strategy. That's a huge part of the strategy in uh, scouting other teams. And I would say through the years, the best I saw at it, 
in watching. I was in there for every draft up until a couple years ago. Eric DaCosta was uncanny, even as a younger guy. He would go, San Diego's taking the tight end. You know, the Rams are taking the guard. And he, it was like, God, he was Nostradamus. You know, you're going, that's really good. <laughs> that's and awesome. he would have all, all the people, all the scouts, always talking, find out what they're leaning towards, even what, 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 what they're looking for in second and third rounds. And, and uh, he was uncanny even late in the draft saying, well, well, we'll get that running back. We, we don't have to take him now in the fifth. Ozzy, we can get him in the sixth. We can get him in the sixth. That whole best player available philosophy, uh, maybe it'll be a thing tonight, but it's not going to be if it's B. John Robinson because he is off the board to Atlanta at eight. So that was a, a lot of conversation and buzz was around that potential prospect happening right. uh, later on at 22. So that's not going to happen over the course of the next hour. We're up against the clock a little bit, Kevin. What, what, is, your, uh, what is your sense for tonight should they stay put at 22 well you know i i know eric's not just going to sit there and twiddle his thumbs so what will happen in in short form if it gets to 22 and they're in love with five players and they would be happy with any of the five then he's moving out because he knows he'll get one of those five if he goes down no more than five picks or four picks so that's how they they'll group them you know you know, okay, if we draft from 16, can we still get one of these five being Hayden Hurst? Yes, we can, so we're going to drop down. So that's, that's how it works, Bobby. So if, if they have a collection of players that they value equally at 22, then, uh, then Eric's looking to get that second round back. <laughs> Makes sense. Who knows? Maybe we'll see that unfold over the course of the next hour or so. But uh, Sarah, do you have anything else? I mean, we could go, we could literally go no, the entire I, four I hours mean, with you, Kevin. Days, and... I need to come out. <laughs> I need to come out and visit you, Kevin. I got to see your retirement home. I got to say hi to Sally, everybody oh, else. Or if thanks. you're out here in Ohio, we'll have to get together. But man, I, I just love you. I'm so glad that I could see you tonight. Oh, thank you, Sarah. You guys did really, this is a privilege to, to uh, do this. I was excited to do it. And I'm so glad. And, man, by the way, I, I saw the end of uh, Jerry Sandusky and he was up there. And Baltimore has the best play-by-play -play guy in the league. He is the best. He, he, I, I hope people realize how good he is at his job. Oh, we yeah. have the best play-by-play. Yeah, -play, we have the best linebacker. And we have the best PR chief. We're just, we're just <laughs> killing it tonight. Well, thank you. Heck yeah. Kevin, keep enjoying retirement. I think you live on a golf course, if I'm not mistaken. So we'd love to play with you down the line. But uh, <laughs> but thanks so much for dropping by tonight. All right, Bobby, Sarah, it's great seeing you guys. Good to see Thank you. Thank you for asking.